speak for us this morning is thus far the Lord, and our scripture of emphasis is Psalms 124, and I would like us to read Psalms 124. It's a psalm, so it's, it's, a, it's like a song. So we'll be looking through to see what we learn from this song. Um, the song of, it's famously known as a, a song of accents, and uh, it's been alluded to that has been written by David. Um, so, great. So I think as we turn that, I need to say congratulations to the outgoing team of leaders. Right from the exec to the committees and subcommittees, the leaders of E-teams, congratulations to all of you. It's, it's not easy to start a semester, a term, and to finish. I know that if, we are, if I was to ask each of you, you will have different testimonies of what God has enabled you to um, go through. We praise the Lord that you are here today. And as we look through the faithfulness of God, um, I hope that you'll be encouraged, not just that God has been with you, but also that God will continue to be with you, even post your time of service as a leader. Psalms 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fallen snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Precious Lord, as we reflect through your word this, morning, this afternoon, we ask that you bring clarity, O oh God, to our thoughts, that, Lord, you will make it clear, O oh God, what you intend to speak to us in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we reflect through the words of the psalmist in Psalms 124, we pray that, Lord, as we reflect through the faith, your faithfulness over the years in the life of the children of Israel, may we be able also to see your faithfulness even to, and to, uh, towards us, O oh Lord, this day and forevermore in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Um, as I had highlighted earlier on, that this is a psalm of David, although some commentators say that there's a likelihood that it is not a psalm of David, especially because they're able to connect this with the time in which the Israelites were coming from exile in Babylon. However, I think it is still safe to categorize as one of the psalms of David, since it points to us the Israelites' past struggles, the challenges that they've had on the journey in, in their journey from Egypt to Canaan, but also it is good to reflect on it as a psalm of David, especially because it's able to point to us about the future state of Israel, of how God is involved and how God will continue to be involved. Because when we, we see David leading the Israelites in giving thanks to God for their past help and expressing confidence that he will help them even in their future. We also see that the main characters of this text is the Lord who has been repeated around four times and also we see another, another uh, character who is, has been highlighted here are the Israelites who we see referred to them as us, us, and I think that has been repeated seven times in the new, in the new international version, famously known as NIV. So it's safe enough to look through how God has been faithful to the Israelites 
through their journey in Egypt to Canaan and also even in their times in Babylon, how God has continuously been with them and how he has extended his grace through his faithfulness and mercy to their lives. And as we reflect through this psalm, which is a good one for us to reflect about the faithfulness of God, I pray that God will speak to us, that in the place of the Israelites, you will see yourself as the one who has God, whose God is interested in your life, and with, especially with the way he has been able to work with you and through you for the last one year, or even uh, for the last number of years that you've lived here on earth. Just an overview of it, from verse 1 to verse 2, the text says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us, this to us, the psalmist helps the Israelites acknowledge that the far they have come, the victory they have experienced, it's because God was assuredly on their side. And he uses this, the statement, if the Lord had not been on our side, meaning there was also a possibility. The other possibility is that if God was not on their side, then destruction would have been the outcome. But they have been spared because God was on their side. And from verse 3 to verse 5, he highlights what would have happened if God was not on their side. He highlights to them that the enemies would have swallowed them. You know, verse 2 says, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. Verse 3, when their anger flared against us. But secondly, he highlights to them what would have happened. Besides the enemies, he also highlights to them that the floods would have engulfed them. In other words, the floods would have swallowed them. And he highlights to them as well, and the Israelites know this very well because he remember what happened to the Egyptians who attempted to follow them. The third thing we see is that also he highlights to them that the raging waters, or rather the violent waters, or torrents will have swept over them. This therefore then may point towards the times in history of Israel, especially in Babylon and also when they were through their journey to Canaan how God has continuously protected the Israelites from the nations that they have encountered and how God has continuously protected them from the floods and the torrents of waters that were along the way, how God has been their savior and carried them through. But from verse 6 to 7, the psalmist changes the story. And not only just looking at what has happened before, he turns to praise the Lord and he tells them, praise the Lord or praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. He turns to, tell, to, to, to help them appreciate God who has helped them, who has not abandoned them, but has granted them escape from the fallen snares. And in fact, we see from verse 7, it says the, the snare has been broken. And who broke the snare? It is the Lord who broke that snare. But from verse 8, we see, and in verse 8, we see our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He turns now that story to help them see that, by the way, the reason as why we have come to this, this farm, it is not just enough even for us to praise the Lord, but it's even good enough for us to look up to God as the one who has helped us. And he says that our help is in the name of the Lord, telling them that Israel's only help can come from God, not from anyone else not from the worship of idols, which they were experts in. Not even from their leader, Moses. Not even from the kings, which they had. That their help only comes from the Lord. And he assures them that 
that their help not only comes from the Lord, but who is even that Lord? He even described the Lord that he's pointing them towards, the maker of heaven and earth. Not any other Lord, but the maker of heaven and earth. And when you think about the name of the Lord, which we will later reflect on, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. Other text says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. And we see the description of God as the maker of heaven and earth, an analogy that God is the creator. That the God you are looking up to, guys, is the creator. He's the one who has made everything. But also he wanted to put the distinction between who is this Lord. To Israelites, they knew lords as the rulers, as, as, as the ones who have authority over everything. And especially they liked to address their leaders, the kings, as Lord. But he told them distinctively, who is this Lord? The maker of heaven and earth. And therefore for us, we reflect on three things this morning, this afternoon. We reflect the first thing is, if the Lord had not been on the side of Israel, they would have been destroyed by their enemies and natural calamities. David tells them that, guys, where you are right now, the fact that you are saved, the fact that you are here, it's because God has been on your side. But then the second thing we reflect on this morning, is, this afternoon, is praise to the Lord who has not allowed the enemy's destruction. That we praise God, that he tells them, not only is it enough to reflect back and see what God has been able to help us do or what God has carried us through, through but even in the now, we praise him because it is God who has carried us through that journey. It is not the skillfulness of Moses. It is not the wisdom of the, of the kings. It is just purely the Lord who has protected us. But thirdly, we reflect through our help is in the name of the Lord. That for me is a great assurance telling that David is telling them that, hey, it's not just even enough to, for us to praise God for what he has done to us today, but let me tell you, our help is in the name of the Lord, both now and even in the future, the time to come. Therefore, for me, I have attempted to subdivide this text into two portions. The first portion, which runs from verse 1 all the way to verse 5, we see one thing, God's protection. God's protection. David's confession that attributed the Israelites' salvation to God is significant in this text. That the attribution that their salvation was because God was on their side is very key. Because we see two things that God has protected the Israelites from. The first one is that God has protected the Israelites from their enemies. And the second one is that God has protected the Israelites from the natural disasters. As we reflect through the enemies, the Israelites were truly tormented both in Egypt as slaves and later on in Babylon as, as exiles, they were truly tormented by their enemies. And even through the journey as they went all the way to Canaan, we see them battling with the Philistines and Moabites and all the other people they encountered along the way. But the most beautiful story is they have never shrinked back. That even though they were fought enough from all sides, God has assuredly continuously been on their side and helped them to overcome, even when they forgot the faithfulness of God that has saved them. 
And that for me is enough testimony to reflect about the faithfulness of God this afternoon. They thrived because God was with them. Israel was not any other unique nation, but they were unique because God was on their side. He helped them to overcome every battle, every challenge that they underwent through their lifetime. And therefore, the question you ask is then, who is my enemy today? Really, can your enemy be your neighbor? The one who pours water in your doorstep? The one who looks at you how you are beautifully dressed and does not comment that, oh, you are beautiful? Your classmate, the guy who keeps on posting very dirty contents in that group, and yet they know that you're in that group, that you are born again? In 2015, I was in campus between 2014 to 2018. And in 2015, January, um, that was my first year, second semester. We had a very a bitter exchange with one of my classmates. Because you see, the way WhatsApp was just coming that time, WhatsApp groups. So there, was this, there were these guys who kept on posting pornographic materials, betting link sites, you know, all those uh, content. So one time I decided to confront the guys who keep posting that, that content in that group. Um, I was bashed as judgmental. I was referred to as a, as, a, as, a, as a hypocrite. We fought with them. They post this today. I confront it immediately in the group. They post the following day. I confront it until they, they stopped. Up to date, that group, there is nothing that has ever been posted again that is ungodly, except job adverts nowadays. You know when people leave job, when leave campus? It's just jobs. And asking one another, hey, what do you think of this case? Because we did animal health. But at that time, I was very judgmental. I looked at that, those guys and looked at them as though they are evil. Lucky enough, the guy whom we, we argued a lot in the group is now my good friend, even though he's still a Muslim. Because he was the ringleader of, that, of those posts that time. But that, is, that was not my neighbor. That was not my enemy. Even for you, your enemy is not someone who keeps on opposing your views. When you speak, they say, I have a point against, just to correct what Selena has said. You know that guy who always looks like he's a critic of your, of your comments? Negatively? That's not your enemy. That's not our enemy. Our main enemy, number one, is the devil. The one whose purpose is to steal, to kill, and to do what? To destroy. Because this other one is only here, he will hate you today, tomorrow he's unhappy with you. The following day, I mean, he's here, he's no more. He will not take away your soul. He can only perhaps harm your body. But the enemy is even interested not with your physical body alone, but even with your soul, taking you away from God. Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That portion of text usually falls within what we call the spiritual warfare, especially that one that talks about, you know, puts on the bracelet of, of faith, you know, the bracelet of righteousness, you know, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and all those. The prince of darkness whose kingdom Christ came to uproot is our real enemy called the devil. That when you look through the gospel, we see Jesus Christ casting out demons from one city to another. A testament that his mission was to come and uproot the dark actions of the enemy who is called the devil. And thanks to God because he came so that we may have life and have it in full or in abundance. That even though the enemy meant means to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives, Christ came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. Not to destroy, but to build up. Not to kill, but to restore. Not to steal, but to give it back and to add even to us. And we know that because we have a life and have it in abundance, we are also more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That there is no amount of actions of an enemy, of a devil, that will be thrown to us that will ever survive. You know, you know those witchcraft that we are told at home? Uh, that uh, so and so I'm a kuroga. The reason as to why whether you don't amount to anything is because so and so aliroga babayako. The reason as to why you don't uh, thrive in your academic is because all your lineage have always been like that. It's because someone somewhere did some actions. It's true that they are evil powers of this world. But let me tell you, they have got no authority over the people of God. They have no authority because we know that in Christ Jesus we are more than conquerors. That we are shielded. That even though the enemy will throw all evil darts, there is no weapon fashioned against us that shall ever prosper. And that there is nothing that will ever remove the, us from the love of God. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And no wonder the, the, the hymn in Christ alone stands for. And I quote, says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hands. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I will do what? I will stand. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can ever pluck us from the love of God. No weapon fashioned against us from the enemy, in whichever form, including witchcraft, will ever survive, especially to us who were in the household of faith. Therefore, there is nothing to fear, because there is no day that the enemy has overpowered the quacks of Christ in us. The other enemy is called sin. And sin is expressed through the acts of flesh. Sin continuously attempts to control us and takes us away from God. We are on this side. Christ is on this side. We keep trying to go to him. 
sin keeps pulling us away from Christ. It continuously takes us away from the Holy God to continuously help us to remain unholy. When you think of the sinful acts that easily ensnares us, such as pride, how you think so highly of yourself, how you walk around because you are doing a very well that your GPA is somewhere up there, and you look at your classmates and you're wondering, where on earth were they created? Why did they come? But also pride even expresses itself not necessarily even with the way we have judgmental thoughts, but with the way we live our life. Living so high or living so low so that we may be um, think or people may think so highly of ourselves. Those internal and external pride actions that I know you, you don't know. Listen, sit down, listen. The sexual immorality, fornication, adultery, to the unmarried, the struggle with fornication. To the married, it's the issue of adultery. Lastful thoughts. That when you are seated there, you know you are looking at that sister, you are looking at that brother, and all you can think is their nudity. The struggle even not to watch pornographic materials. And every time that advert pops up on your screen, you struggle whether to open it or not, but eventually, because the enemy is at work, will lead you to pop it, to, to, to click and start watching. The acts of flesh of dishonesty, of living a fake life, that even though we look at you and we think, hey, so-and-so is spiritual, born again, firebrand, and the likes, but deep down when you go to your house, you have real-time struggles that even the people that are looking up to you may actually wonder when they see you falling to those kind of sin. And many more sins that I can think of. Dishonesty even in exams. That you have a GP of, that of, of, of 70 points, but you know very well, three quarters of that GPA has been, still, has been cheating and cheating in one exam to another. Or the required of that GPA is harambe. Harambe means not in the, not in the other way that you know. <laughs> harambe also means that, uh, you know, you are always, uh, uh, when, when that guy, when people are just done with the assignment, we want to end up with and copy, and copy, then I submit. The only thing you can change is, the, uh, is your uh, registration number and then your name, and inside and submit it that way. And then you go outside saying, How many of us can be proud of what they have in their portal? Proud. You know, I'm proud. Laughter, I don't know what she means. God has, assured, has surely protected you from these enemies. And today we can boast that, therefore, that there is no weapon fashioned against us will ever prosper. But the second enemy to the Israelites was the natural disaster. In reflection through the Israelites' journey, the psalmist recalls the potential threats that the floods had towards these people. The raging waters. I know we are experiencing floods today in our country that is causing displacement, loss of lives, and loss of property. 
But that does not necessarily mean in any way that God has abandoned us. In any case, it's pointing to us about the end times. Which Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 7 to 8, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And in reflection to these disasters, think about the natural disasters that even are affecting us today, not necessarily caused by nature and other things, but think about the chronic illnesses that are there. Cancer is on the rise, diabetes is on the rise, blood pressure is on the rise, and many more. AIDS is also there. That is sweeping away people. I think of the hard economic times. The love for materialism. Religiosity. Faithlessness. These for me are the floods of our days. They are sweeping away our generations. One individual at a time. Because faithlessness is taking us away from God. Diseases is taking away our bodies and the likes. Hard economic times are hardly hitting us. And naturally, you may tend to think that this is the suffering of today. Yes, it is suffering. But even though we suffer as believers, we know that we are not alone. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, very famous verse, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair. But from verse 9 he says, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. These texts appreciate that even though we face all those things, we are not destroyed. Because even for us as believers, we go through those same problems. We suffer economically. We suffer from those chronic illnesses and the likes. But we know that even though those things keep coming along our lives, we are sure that we cannot be destroyed. And he further says in verse 16 to 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, verse 16 of the same chapter 4, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As believers, we know that danger lurks around, but we have nothing to fear, since God assures us that there is nothing that will take away the love of God towards us, not even cancer that will take away the love of God towards us. Not even a reckless or, or, or not even a hard economy will take away the love of God from us. But the question to us today is not whether God is with us. Because he has given us his son, Jesus Christ, who is called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The big question which I will ask you to reflect about is God, are you on the side of God? Are you on the side of of God. That when you measure yourself against the standard of what it means to be on the side of God, are you on his side? The second portion or other subdivision is God's help. The first one he said is God's protection. The second one is God's help. And especially thanksgiving for God's help. 
From verse 6 to 7, we see the psalmist praising the Lord for saving them from the snare's trap. He broke the enemy's snare on their behalf. God is working behind all the scenes, all the time on our behalf. That even though the enemy may throw darts towards us, we are sure that we are safe in him. And we thank God for that because his help is surely nearer to us all the times. Something that has even caused Samuel in First Samuel chapter 7 verse 12 to reflect and say is and, re- and, writing a stone the, and raising up a stone in between Mizpah and Shen and saying Ebenezer, which means thus far the Lord has helped us. And he was reflecting about that especially because of how God has protected them from the Philistines who wanted to subdue their lives. We praise God for saving us. We thank him for saving us from the effect and power of sin. And we praise him for saving us and calling us to his kingdom, for choosing us and for helping us to come to him. Because Jesus, in his response to grumbling Jews in John chapter 6, verse 44, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus was pointing to them, saying that, Guys, you do not have the power to come to me unless the Father draws you to himself. Pointing to them, saying that you are helpless. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. It's only uh, I that can save you when the Father draws you to myself. And indeed, we cannot choose God by ourselves because he's the one who enables us to choose him. You and I were helpless, but God in his own mercy chose you for salvation this day. Man's will and desire is always to run away from God. But thanks to him that we are saved today. Internally, on our, our bodies will always want to run away from God. We will always choose sin. But thanks to God who keeps on helping us to choose him day by day. And our help, therefore, is in his name. Because we know that even in the midst of search for refuge and comfort when you are faced by troubles, to our souls and to our, to our physical bodies, be ye assured that our help is a call away. That when you call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. And this help is not a privy to a few people. It's not a privy to just one person. It's, it's to all of us. Eugene Peterson, who wrote, a, who wrote a book along obedience in the same direction, says, God's help is not a private experience. It is a corporate reality. Not an exception that occurs among isolated strangers, <laughs> but the norm among the people of God. In other words, the, the help of God is a norm to all who are called by his name. And therefore, I submit to us today that call on that name of the Lord and you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Will be saved. Praise the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And this is an open invitation for all. Because we know that every, the scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
and will be saved from all forms of wickedness, from all forms, actions of the enemy that has been endangered or rather thrown to our side. Salvation is vested on Christ alone. He alone can save us when we call on his name. Therefore, our call to action this afternoon Truly, this was a moment to turn, for the Israelites to turn towards God for thanksgiving for all that he has done to them. But also it is a moment for us to look back and appreciate God for all that he has done to us, especially his faithfulness to save us and to help us as his own people as we journey through this world. As we come to the end of the spiritual year, it is time to look back and count on God's faithful acts towards us and count on his faithful presence that has been there constantly towards us. And indeed, as the psalmist will say, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Not forgetting his benefits in terms of mercy, kindness, love, provision, forgiveness, redemption that has happened. Those benefits that we experience from him, we praise him for doing such towards us. And therefore, this, for me, is a call to do three things. It's a call to celebrate God's faithful presence with us. A call to appreciate that God has been on our side, that when we look back, he has helped us through thick and thin, that the things we take them as obvious, how he has continuously spoken to us in our personal devotions, how he has continuously spoken to us in prayer, how he has continuously granted us the grace to keep coming to him even when we fall, how he has continuously helped us to work on our character, how he has continuously helped us to change our mindset from selfish thoughts towards Christ-like thoughts, how he has continuously helped us to turn our service towards, towards acts of kindness and gratitude. Even in our period of leadership for them that have been leading, how God has helped us in our service towards him. How God has helped us in our studies. How God has helped us in giving us health. How God, good health. How God has helped us in providing for us. How God has helped us in helping um, our family to remain to be stable. All this has happened because his presence has been with us. Man is totally lost, helpless, and, do and, and, and doomed for destruction if you remove God. But thanks be to him that his presence has never left us. That even though we faced all those challenges in one year or whichever challenge that you know that you're thinking about right now, I assure you, God is there with you. But the second thing is to celebrate the faithfulness of God to save us. First one is to celebrate God's presence with us, but the second one is to celebrate the faithfulness of God to save us. That God in his own glorious nature overlooked our sinfulness and extended a hand of salvation towards us that we may be called his children this afternoon. That the immoral people that we were, Christ has cleansed us and made us his own people this afternoon. That the life that we used to live, Christ has helped us to forget, to forfeit that, and now we live in the life of his kingdom. 
and even to you who has never believed in him, that salvation is still available today. That if you call on his name, you will be saved. You will be saved from that addiction. You will be saved from that uh, sin that you have always tried to live and you have not been able to live. You will be saved and your story will be changed. The third thing we celebrate is the assurance of God's present and future help. The assurance of God's present and future help. There is nothing as a famine as though in understanding that help is just near us. That God is not just available to help us today. God was not just available to help us in the last one year. He is sure enough to be with us even in the future. Because we know as we say that God is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. His faithfulness does not change in any way. And when we think about that, therefore, then we know that even the struggles we have, we will surely overcome them. And when we imagine of such, then we turn back to God in thanksgiving, saying thank you for providing help towards us. And as we conclude, brethren, thus far, the Lord has helped us. That we look back in retrospect and appreciate that his hand of help towards us cannot be denied. The fact that you are here, the fact that you are in this service today, is sure enough to tell you that God has helped you to be here. The psalmist today in Psalms 124 presents a perfect representation of Christ and his work towards mankind. Christ's other name is Emmanuel, God with us. That the coming of Christ signifies that God is assuredly, not only was he with the children of Israel, he is still with us today because he sent his son Jesus Christ to come to us, to, 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 to live with us. When he, come, when he came, he affirmed that God is indeed ever with us. And his coming was a mission to save man from eternal damnation to a life in eternity through the forgiveness of sins. God saved the Israelites from their enemies. God saved the Israelites from the natural disaster because his presence was with them. God has saved us this morning, has provided to us salvation this morning or this day towards from all forms of sins, from, from our enemy called the devil, from our enemy called sin, because he has sent his son Jesus Christ who came to die in our place on that rugged cross so that you and I may have the rightful share that we may belong to the kingdom of God. He died in your place that you may be called the righteousness of God this day. He died in your place that you may be redeemed from all forms of sinfulness. He died in your place so that he may, he may extend to you his mercy, his kindness, his love, and his grace. And even when he was living here on earth, when he was living the earth, 
the Holy Spirit was sent to us as the constant mediator of, between man and God, but also as the constant helper that we may receive help from God through the Holy Spirit. And today we celebrate that faithfulness of God towards us in this manner, that God has been faithful enough to give us his son, Jesus Christ, who came to die on the cross and, ripped, and in his place again he sent the Holy Spirit after he left so that he may come to mediate us between us and God and that he may be the constant help to us who believe in him. And praise be to the Lord of all lords for his goodness and mercies towards us forever, every day and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So we thank God and we celebrate his faithfulness. But that is not enough. It's not enough to celebrate God's faithfulness. What first we need to begin from, we need to begin from the point of repenting, if we have never repented, of turning back to him, if we've never turned back to him. Because for God to be with you, then you must also be with him. That you must be called a child of God. That, you may, that your sin must, must be pardoned by him. And his extension is that everyone who calls on his name shall be saved. Let's bow down as we pray.